really pleased to be joined by our next guest. He's kind of been the man of the week this week, has been on all the different uh, golf and news outlets talking about a uh, big rule change in the game of golf. He's the chief governance officer for the United States Golf Association and is a good friend of ours for a long time. Thomas Pagel joining us right now. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Good. I mean, what, what's the last few days been like for you? A bit of a whirlwind, huh? It's, uh, it has been a bit of a whirlwind, but it, it's been, uh, it's been nice to really be able to get out and sort of talk uh, about what's coming with, uh, with respect to the golf ball. I mean, as you guys know, this has been a, a debate for decades and we've been going through what we call our equipment rulemaking process, uh, for at least the last three years. Plus we had a research project ahead of that. So it's, it's been talked about a lot. And, uh, I think frankly, the golf world was, was looking for closure. And so to be able to come out and offer some of that closure and speak to, what the real impact will be when it takes effect. It's uh, that, that part's been a relief, frankly. You know, the process um, when you do make rule changes or model local rules and that kind of thing is that you have a comment period. What did you guys learn during the comment period with, regarding this? Yeah. So, so I'll just step back. So what, what we announced this week is, is the overall distance standard, which is how we test golf balls. It's been in place since 1976. Uh, it's always been intended to essentially regulate how far a golf ball can go when it's in, when, when uh, it's used by the longest player in the game. So in 1976, we tested at a club head speed of 109 miles an hour. 2004, we updated that to 120 miles an hour, which is about a 176 ball speed uh, for our test. And as we look at the, the longest players, the top players on the worldwide tour, and frankly, the elite amateur game, they're achieving ball speeds much, fa- much faster than that. So, uh, effective in 2028, we're going to update it to um, 183 mile an hour ball speed or about 125 mile an hour club head speed. Um, so look, in March we came out and we, we suggested changing this test at a faster speed, 187 mile an hour uh, ball speed or 127 mile an hour club head speed, but doing it as a model local rule, right? So essentially uh, the governing bodies had said, is it time for the rules to sort of split and offer bifurcation where, the elite game would be playing under uh, a different set in certain instances of equipment standards. Um, I will tell you guys, I was, I was surprised and, and I probably shouldn't have been just how loud and how overwhelming the feedback was that a unified set of playing rules and a unified set of equipment standards is really important to the game. We heard it from the tours. We heard it from the tour players. We heard it from the PGA of America. We heard it from recreational golfers. We heard it from our state golf associations everyone was really struggling with how are you going to define elite? How are you practically going to apply this? Uh, recreational golfers were saying, but I like the fact that I can play the same ball as players at the highest level. So it was loud. Um, and that really forced us to step back. And so what we're announcing today is again, not taking effect until 2028, but it's going to be a change across the game for all golf balls that are tested. Thomas Pagel joining us. And yeah, that was now that that's on the table. I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, there's, there's reactions, right? There's reactions to this in both sides of the coin, which has been interesting. One is that an immediate reaction. I thought Mike Wan addressed that pretty good saying, Hey, look, I think he used the word ambulance chasers and overreactors and things like that for people that are just going to just go pile on and, and act like the game is ruined. So, and then there's the other side of it that maybe wonders if this is actually going to have the impact that it needs to have. So can you kind of address how it's going to apply to the, the tour player, the, the recreational player, and what, what, how big or, or minimal that impact will be. 
Yeah, I think I, I think the important thing is as as we think about this as golfers, like let let's react to facts because you know even last weekend uh, there was a little bit of information leaked and people started to assume it's going to be ten percent, it's going to go through your bag, and so there was a lot of people reacting saying I can't believe they would do this. Well, the reality is is um, testing at one hundred and eighty three mile an hour ball speed. Another. Let me step back. Another important part of the feedback we heard, again, this was across the game, was make sure you minimize the impact on the recreational game, which is we committed to that when we uh, issued our distance report back in 2020, saying any solution will have minimal impact. And so we actually, that's why we slowed that testing speed from the 127 mile hour club head speed down to the 125. And at the 125 club head speed, the recreational golfer is going to see five or less yards impacted. And just based on, on launch conditions, swing conditions, it's really going to only impact the recreational golfer for your driver. So for, for you and I, as we're out playing, we're going to see, you know, five or less. Um, again, that's assuming that, that uh, club head speed of mid nineties and down. Um, and it's really going to be limited to our drivers. So by the time we get to our second shots, we're not going to experience any reduction. If you look at more of the elite level, uh, so PGA tour elite amateurs, probably closer to nine to 11 yards. And then as you get to those players that achieve ball speeds that are at or above what we're testing at, so 183 miles an hour or faster, you're probably looking more in the 13 to 15 yard range. But even those players, by the time they get down to about their five iron, aren't going to see a distance reduction. Interesting. So, so what, what about, what about people that like Brian was talking about that are on the other side of the fence that maybe it's not enough. Yeah. I mean, and this is uh, guys, it's a, it's a great example of governance is hard. Um, this, this really is. And, and I mean, you guys have lived it, you've heard it. It's sort of a divisive topic where people have strong opinions on both sides. And so when we went into this, we, we knew we weren't going to make everybody happy. Um, but our job in governing the game, the role that we play um, for, for the global game is really understanding perspectives, which is why those comment periods are so helpful. I mean, we can work with the international golf community, understand, viewpoints, uh, take those viewpoints into consideration. And frankly, we, we did a lot of bobbing and weaving over the last three years based on where we thought we might end up. But at the end of the day, you just have to step in and make an objective decision. And the decision we wanted to make really are sort of the Northern star was how can we have meaningful impact with minimal disruption, right? So if we were to, if we were to do more at the elite level, it would really have a greater impact on the recreational game. And we hear loud and clear the concerns people have, whether it's their own game or whether it's a PGA professional and their membership about, I don't want people, I don't want recreational golfers losing distance. Well, if we try and do more on the high end, you're going to have a bigger impact on the recreational game. We didn't want to do that. But then we also have on the other side, a lot of people saying, just do less, right? Don't, don't do so much, do it less and do it more often. Uh, and that, uh, that one we struggle with as well. I mean, that's not really fair. Uh, and it's not, it's not fair to players to suggest, you know, every five or six years, we're going to be updating this standard and you're going to have to switch and figure out a new ball. And it's certainly not fair to, to R and D staff at ball manufacturers just to say every five or six years, we're going to revise the standard. So we really wanted to identify something that again, would have that minimal impact on the low end for the recreational golfer be meaningful enough to where it's going to reduce the longest players by 13 to 15 year or 13 to 15 yards, excuse me. And then we can just step back as a governing body let the game evolve. We fully expect, I mean, this isn't going to stop distance. It might slow it, but it's not going to stop it. Fully expect that, you know, 15 years from now, yardages will probably be similar to where they are now. And, and we might have to act, but at least in 15 years, we won't be 15 yards longer than we are today. 
Thomas Pagel, USGA, joining us. So um, some people would say, and, and they'll listen to you say right there, we might need to act. And they'd say, why do you need to act at all? The game is so healthy. It's growing. It's it's uh, thriving, you know, even more and more are coming to the game. It's already a difficult game to play. And this feels like it's going to make it harder and might make the barrier of entry even greater. In, and and so that's, a, that's a, a concern that they have. How would you address that and why? What are the whys behind making this change and, and what positive impacts will it have for the game in the future? Yeah. I mean, for, first I'll say there, there never seems to be a good time to make a hard governance decision. When, when the game is strong, when the game is healthy, don't act. Uh, when the game is, is at harm, perhaps the economy is going down, well, don't act. And so again, we felt that for the long-term health of the game, we needed to step in and make this, uh, uh, take this action or make this decision. Now, again, not taking effect till 28. Uh, for the elite game in 2030 for the recreational game. Um, but look, as distances have increased and, and we, we look at this, this isn't something new for us. We, we issue an annual drive distance report every year where we're monitoring distance uh, across the elite game, not just the PGA tour, but really the elite game. And we see a pretty consistent and constant growth. And that, that growth has been over the last 40 years. I mean, if you go back to 1980, the PGA tour is 43, lo- 43 yards longer following the 2023 season, 43 yards longer in 43 years. That's what we, that we've seen that trend forever. And so if we sit back and wait and 20 years from now, we haven't done anything. Uh, the elite golfers are going to be 20 yards longer. And there's a strong correlation that as golfers at the highest level continue, as their distance continues to increase golf courses continue to increase. And we're not just guys, we're not talking about, you know, the 45 golf courses that the PGA tour plays on, uh, or the four major venues. As you think of elite golf, you got to think of state amateurs, state opens, the collegiate game, national championships outside of the U.S. Uh, there are thousands of courses uh, across the globe that host elite competitions, uh, and many of them are finding themselves facing decisions. Do they try and lengthen? Do they invest money to move bunkers? And it's all a result of distance games. And, and we're really the only sport that says adjust your venue based on distance, right? I know Mike Juan, one one of his favorite analogies is, you know, the green monster. That would be like telling folks, you know what, we're either going to have to push it back another 50 feet or we're going to have to go up 30 feet. Like would baseball fans want that? The answer would be no. But yet for whatever reason in golf, we're okay changing our stadium. We're okay changing our venue. And we're okay placing that burden on the golf course operators and owners in order for them to make those adjustments. So, it really is about the golf course. It's about long-term sustainability. It's not about making the game harder. I mean, there's nobody at the USGA that wakes up every morning and says, you know what, what, what decisions can we make to make the game a little more harder so people don't want to play it? We actually do the opposite. We wake up every day. We go through that door at the office. And we think, how can we make the game better? How can we get people excited about the game? How can we make sure that the game is not just great today, but 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, that it's equally as great so that those that come after us yeah. can enjoy it and have fun. So you've mentioned um, the timelines, uh, the elite game in 2028 when those uh, changes will be made and uh, the average or the regular player in 2030. Why, um, why is it waiting so long to implement these things? So, so both points are, uh, we're, we're part of the feedback period, frankly, uh, manufacturers came to us and when, when we had suggested the model local rule, we said, we're going to test at this high speed of 127 and we want it to take effect in 2026. And as we had discussions with them, they 
said, look, if you could go lower, please go across the board. Although not every manufacturer, believe it or not, wanted across the board. There were some that preferred the model local rule. Um, but they said, more, more importantly, we need time. Like we can develop a golf ball in two years, like the R and D cycle, we can make that happen. But if you're asking us to put equipment in the hands of the best player on the planet, planet, you know, we need to uh, have time to test. And so we thought that that was very reasonable. Again, it was very consistent across all the manufacturers. So we're going to give them this four year runway. And we've heard several of the manufacturers offer comment already, already uh, this week, you know, thanking us for that. Um, so that was important. And then that delay of two years for the recreational game, that's really just practical, um, right? You know, recreational golfers, you're going to have uh, balls in your trunk, in your garage, in your, in your golf bag. And we wanted to make sure that in 2028, 2029, go out, use those golf balls, play the game, enjoy the game, post your scores to the gin system, you know, update your handicap and enjoy it and have fun. And two years time, you know, retail shelves will begin to cycle over. Uh, those balls in your bag will cycle over. And by 2030, we would expect that everybody's playing the same balls. Thomas Pagel with USGA joining us here on Real Golf Radio. Big announcement. The golf ball will be rolled back. Uh, at least a, a distance correction. I'm not sure exactly how you're going to couch it, but but that's that's the idea, right? It's going to come back. So I, I want to go back to this real quickly because people are reacting, and I just want to talk it through. It helps me to understand it, and hopefully it'll help our listeners as well. If I'm out on a PGA Tour event in 2028, and I'm used to watching my favorite player tee off and, and bust a driver out there 350 yards, I can still go out there and watch him hit it essentially 335 yards is that kind of how i'm hearing this that, that's exactly right and, and look i mean as we watch the best players uh and even as we play our own games you know it's really tough to discern between 340 and 350 or in our own games you know if you're going to lose three yards you know 232 versus 229 i, I don't want to minimize the fact that people are upset about change i get that um but the reality is, is distance is still going to be advantage guys are still going to chase it uh, we're still going to be in awe of the best players, and we're still going to be able to uh, enjoy the game ourselves. Yeah, and so, for, and then from us, if we're out there playing it, when we hit drive, we're going to see an impact off the driver, right? That's kind of where this seems to go. That's the big yardage is coming off the driver. But then you said once you get below your five iron, it's really not an impact because if I'm thinking, if I'm taking off five yards, again, that that's really nothing. You can miss hit things. But let's just say the ball has changed so that if my miss hits actually cost me maybe 10 yards. Is it going to be again with my approach shot or is it mostly primarily based on that tee shot where I'll no notice the most impact? You're going to notice the majority of impact uh, with your driver. I mean, our our engineers and our scientists, you know, they, they run all the simulations. And by the time you see your five iron, you're putting so much spin on the, on the ball, especially as a recreational golfer, that, you know, the, 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 if the manufacturers address this through aerodynamics on the golf ball, it'll have zero impact on your swing. Mm. And, and the last thing I was going to ask you, how, how do you suspect that they will, you know, change those things? Is it going to be you know, aerodynamics, is it going to be spin rates? Is it going to be core? Is it going to be like, or is that completely up to them? It's completely up to them. And that's, that's one of the things with, with the overall distance standard test, we don't tell them how they need to construct their balls. We don't regulate dimple patterns. We don't regulate, you know, drag, or we just say, hey, look, you design your golf balls. It can't weigh more than this. Can't be bigger than this. And when we, when we fire it at 125 miles an hour, it can't go further than 320 yards. And then, the innovators, the engineers, the, 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 the individuals at the manufacturers that are really just so good, they're going to figure it out, and they're all going to come up with different ways. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll see how they approach it. 
last thing for you, Thomas, is it seems like the the faster you swing, the bigger the impact will have. Is that by any means going to encourage not swinging as hard? I know that sounds weird, or or will you still hit it further if you produce more clubhead speed? It, look, the, the, the relative distance isn't going to change, right? So I don't think this is going to stop somebody from trying to swing and, and achieve a ball speed of 190 miles an hour, right? You're seeing these college kids that are speed training. I yeah. think they're going to continue speed train, continue to have an advantage uh, in distance. I mean, every generation, um, it seems like you have those players that have the distance advantage, and this isn't going to change that. But again, what it'll do is it'll slow that pace of growth so that uh, hopefully there are few and fewer golf courses that feel the burden or feel the pressures to respond to it. I'm going to be one of those guys that's not an alarmist on this. I, I took, I didn't, I didn't comment for a, a couple of days on purpose. I wanted to kind of absorb it, learn a little bit more. My, my approach to it is that the tour players are still going to figure it out. They're that good. I'm not going to notice that much of a difference. And by the way, if I am hitting a nine iron or a pitching wedge into a par four at a six thousand, four thousand feet where I live, instead of a, a a gap wedge or a lob wedge, I'm okay with that. I wore yeah, out my too. eight iron when I was a kid because that's what you had to hit into the par fours. Now I wear out a set of wedges because, I, and I rarely get to my seven or eight iron. So to be honest with you, it, the game will be there. It's a different test. And if we shorten it up a few, like you're still out there playing and enjoying. I don't think it's one of these things where suddenly you're going to go out there and, and get bored with it. Cause it feels like you're hitting a marshmallow. That's my reaction to all of this. Am I kind of on the right track here, Thomas? Uh, look, yes, I, I would say you are. There are people that would argue with that, but I would say that you are. And the other thing too, I mean, as 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 recreational golfers get shorter, golf course operators, owners, if if they want players to be playing from the same landing zone, if they're concerned about this five yard difference, there's an inventory tees likely in front of them, right? You can pick the, right. up those tee markers, put them on the front of the tee pad, or move to the next one up if you really want to be hitting wedges in. And so there's a way to address it and. We have heard from, from some players saying, well, I already play the forward tees. Uh, this is going to impact me. If you're playing from the most forward tees already and you have that limited carry, your swing speed is such, you're probably not going to have any impact as a result of this change. I like it. And look, if you get beat up too much, I already offered you that olive branch. You can just give us the relief in the fairways and it's everything, everything goes away. So just use, just know you've got that card. You can play it at any, at any time, you know? So I'll, I'll keep that ace in the pocket, you know? <laughs> Thomas, thank you for your time. I know you've been uh, very, um, you've, you've been busy this week. You've, you're in high demand, and we appreciate that you would take a few minutes to visit with us. I always enjoy catching up with you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. You got it. Have Thanks, a great Thomas. weekend. Happy holidays. That's Thomas Pagel. He's the USGA's chief governance officer.